This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm your other host, sometimes, Matt Scalina. <laughs> Good to have you back, Corey. That energy is just, it's, uh, I feed off it. <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inspiring. Speaking of inspiring. Today we have Ravi Mann, Perpetual Capital Partners, Isle of Man Development Group, really, really unfolds a lot of how the development investment side of the business works. And obviously, there's really exciting new REIT that Perpetual offers to give the investors the opportunity to come in with a much lower bar when it comes to financial entry. Here's what I love about this. You know, you don't have to be an accredited investor. Yeah. You don't have to know all the hoity-toity folks to get in on, on the ground floor of these developments in Metro Vancouver. This is democratizing investment for the masses when it yeah. comes to ground up development, making it easy and the returns, the, the returns. Yeah. We'll let Ravi speak about it, but uh, he's passionate about it, man. Knows his stuff. He knows he's, he's a, he's a passionate guy who really believes in the yeah. product and it comes through. That's important. And one thing too, that we touch a little bit on in there about a typical, so we call LP structure or limited partnership structure or limited liability partnership, depending on, if you want to call it an LP or an LLP, usually people investing in those are institutional investors, pension funds, ultra high net worth individuals that get the opportunity to invest in that. And they're investing hundreds of thousands and in some case, millions and millions of dollars. This is an opportunity that they have through perpetual uh, capital partners there through this REIT they're offering that gives maybe the everyday investor the opportunity to partake in the same opportunities. But I think at a $5,000 entry For point. For as little as 5000 And the nice thing about this is RSP, RESP, this is very attractive. Yeah, well, I still got zero in all of those acronyms, <laughs> so so I'm out. But they do go through it, and he talks a lot about how the development investment side works, but a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think they see a big developer's name on a sign, and that that developer is just so rich individually as a company, and they're pouring all of this money and not realizing there's so many different limited partners that have helped contribute to get this development off the ground in also partnering with, you know, the Royal Banks of the world and the Scotia Banks of the world to make this happen. But, you I mean, it's not always, you know, this large development corporation that is piling the money into these projects. Absolutely, absolutely. So stay tuned for that. This is a great conversation. Before we get to that, Corey, one thing that struck me was you look great, but you suggested you're a little tired as you came in because the commercial real estate market, it sounds like it's as challenging as the residential market right now. And I just was thinking about this as, as Ravi was talking about, you know, a tale of two cities, yeah. uh, the Canadian real estate market, Toronto, Vancouver, is the commercial real estate market taking off in the same way as the residential market right now? Is it as frustrating? Well, it's, it's frustrating to the point that there's no inventory and you've got tons of buyers piling up on the sidelines, seems like every hour at this point, that are trying to get into this thing because obviously you have inflation going through the roof right now, which doesn't do good for money sitting in the bank. You've got extremely low interest rates still, the threat of rising interest rates. And we had Doug Porter on last episode from the BMO Financial Group, and they sort of talk about what their predictions are with the Bank of Canada and where interest rates are going to go. So you've got money sitting in the bank, you know, potentially devaluing itself through inflation right now. Cash is trash, they say. Yeah. And you got <laughs> interest rates and the threat of interest rates going up. So investors, large companies, small investors, guys looking to make, you know, buy a strat a lot, they're all sitting on the sidelines frustrated because they want to take advantage of the low interest rates, but there's no product to buy. So maybe before we cut to uh, our, our talk with Ravi, I just have a question for you because obviously he's talking about 
really, really exciting returns when it yeah. comes to yeah. this private REIT and, and, you know, this new model that they're rolling out right yeah. now. How low can cap rates go in Vancouver? It's a good question. I think if you look at like the multifamily side of things right now, you're seeing things like in the mid twos and maybe even just Do we, Can we go negative? <sighs> you know, I, I never say never. I think one thing too is if you look over in, in, you know, look around the world in places like Hong Kong, I mean, half a percent to a 1% cap rate over there is kind of like par for the course. And over here, you go back 10 years ago, you were seeing cap rates in secondary markets, probably like seven, eight, nine percent Right. You know, Victoria, you know, there was things that were probably like six to eight percent that weren't moving. And now when you look at cap rates over here, I remember down, I remember looking at stuff downtown and someone would list something at a four and a half cap rate for like a Stradalite in Yelltown. And everyone would be like, yeah, good luck. Yeah. Laugh right? them out of the... Right? And now they've come down more. So as cap rates go down, prices go up and then it just takes you more and more money out of pocket through down payments and a lower loan to value on the mortgage side of things to make them work. Right. So, you I mean, I think, you know, I'd like to say they're not going to go any lower, but I've been wrong before. So it's just, it's just interesting, right? Cause there's yeah. so little inventory, so many buyers, the conditions just seem like it's, it's yeah. time to test the market. Maybe and, if, and you're, uh, traditionally if, if you're a what you would see is as interest rates rise, you would kind of see cap rates have to move up a little yeah. bit because then there's other options for investors. And why do I take the risk of a landlord if I can look at like a mutual fund or T-bills and all this stuff? So so usually, historically, interest rates would go up and cap rates would kind of slowly work their way up. Now, not a lot, but enough that you might be kind of like, you know, you want to buy smart. If there's no inventory and you've got all of this money on the sidelines, potentially, I think, and this is only my prediction for what it's worth, is if we don't have any inventory come to the markets, I don't think cap rates are going to rise, which is going to push prices, you know, upwards or downwards. Is I don't think it's going to happen because there's no inventory. And right now, there's so many buyers out there looking to get into the market that I think prices will even hold themselves, keeping cap rates where they are. And in some markets, you know, maybe the hotter markets, not the secondary or tertiary markets, you might even see prices continue to go up. The variables, the inventory levels. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't come to the surface, which it hasn't, and I don't really know if it's going to, to be honest with you, because demand is so high, that prices still might go in the upward direction, which is going to keep cap rates low and keep in mind debt's going to cost more. So people may not, you, your buyer pool could fall off because of that. But I think we're going to be in for a very challenging two quarters ahead of us. Challenging because there's no inventory to speak of and there's too many buyers. So it's harder and harder to get into that game. So when the opportunities present themselves, you got to move and move fast. You got to jump. Yeah. I think that's great advice, Corey. But maybe before we cut to our talk with Ravi Mann, a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Impact Commercial Group. Really enjoy working with Impact Commercial. And uh, we should say, Al and his team can basically do anything when it comes to lending. Anything when it comes to under the commercial umbrella. You're building a building and development. We got you covered. You're buying land. We'll make that happen for you. You're investing in a property or multifamily building. Check. Owner occupiers looking to acquire their own space. Double check. Anything commercial financing you need. Impact Commercial is your go-to. Impactcommercial.ca. And we should say over 50 years of combined experience. So trust these guys. They're the right fit. Best in the business, in my opinion. And without further ado, our interview with Ravi Mann, Isle of Man Group, Perpetual Capital Partners. Enjoy. Okay, we're here with Ravi Mann. Pro Petrol Capital Partners President and the Director of Finance and Investments at Isle of Man Property Group. How are you doing, Ravi? Very good, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you how uh, how excited I am to to be here and talk about this. And uh, longtime listener and and avid uh, avid reader of of a lot of the content that you guys put out. Thanks, thanks so much, Ravi, and thanks for taking the time. Can we start maybe by uh, you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Um, I've been around development my whole life, kind of a, a G2 developer of sorts. My father, he started our family-owned development company back uh, close to closing in on 30 years ago now. I went to school at UBC. I did my degree uh, in finance uh, shortly after graduating with my BCom. I uh over at CBRE. That nudged my way in as, a, as an analyst in the industrial sector, and I was there for about three months before I got plucked out of there by uh, 
the national investment team headed by uh, Jim Zabo and Tony Quatrine. And that was a experience would be uh, would be the understatement of the century. It was a great opportunity for me to refine my technical skills on underwriting, whether it was income producing properties or or master plan mixed use developments and, and whatnot. And I was there for a few years. And what uh, Tony always likes to say is, uh, is our MBA in uh, real estate. And uh, from there, I decided to make the move back to my family's uh, development company and hopefully take, you know, that those technical skills and the knowledge and you know, some of the context, the larger context you get about by participating in real estate transactions at that scale and that level, bring some of that experience to the to the family company. Uh, and that was about five years ago now, which is, can't believe it's been that long already. But yeah, and, and what a ride it's been. And I guess that that's probably a big contributor to kind of why we're here today and, and what we're here to talk about. Absolutely. And and before we get to talking about this new low barrier REIT that you guys have, uh, Ravi, I'm just curious. So you grew up in a in a real estate family, real estate's in your blood, essentially. Was was the plan always to be in real estate or, or maybe a question we often ask guests, why real estate? That's a great question. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember being uh, asked that question in, uh, in my first interview at TBRE when I, when I was just coming in as an as an industrial analyst. And I didn't anticipate that question. And it was really took me off guard because I kind of I kind of just laughed and I was like, you know, honestly, it 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 never occurred to me to do anything else. And I think I think they they appreciated the the authenticity. <laughs> the candor. <laughs> yeah. Something uh, something a little different than uh, oh, you know, it's tangible. I, I like that I can, you know, see and feel and touch it, you know. So I, I think I think that was, we had a good laugh over that and uh, and yeah you you kind of nailed it you know I guess growing up environments let's be honest like you know before tech has started to really take the the ride that it has our primary industry in Vancouver has been in, has been real estate in some form or another whether it's mortgage brokers or real estate brokers or developers or, or contractors so on and so forth so for the the thought of me being in anything other than something that tied to real estate in some form or fashion just struck me as so foreign that it never even crossed my mind. Ravi, one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on today is obviously your guys' new low barrier REIT that Matt had mentioned earlier there. Perpetual Capital Partners, I guess, is is the one behind this. Can we maybe talk a little bit, just for the listeners' sake, what is a REIT? And then we can dive a little bit more into the unique opportunity that you guys you guys have on the table. Absolutely. A REIT, to be as straightforward as possible, it's akin to a mutual fund uh, that uh, perhaps your wealth for you. Instead of somebody having to pay, let's say, I don't know what Apple is trading at right now, like let's say $1,000 a share uh, in order to purchase an, an interest in, in Apple, what they can do is purchase a mutual fund trust that owns Apple amidst a... An, a, a general basket of, of other equities and, and stocks and bonds and whatever that allocation is. And maybe they don't have $1,000 to buy one share in that one stock, but they have maybe $1,000 that they would like to diversify across a, a vast you know allocation mix. And so that's what mutual funds essentially do. They, they use economies of scale by having a lot of funds invested into this basket of funds, so to speak, and then use those funds to purchase various equities and whatnot. And so to use that analogy, a real estate investment trust, more commonly known as a REIT, is the real estate equivalent to that. So what REIT managers will often do, they'll amass a large amount of investment through many and smaller investors, use those funds to purchase one property, another property, and another property. And then next thing you know, someone were to purchase into this real estate investment trust for you know some nominal amount, let's just say hypothetically 5000 you have $5,000 adequately diversified between various different properties in various different markets or various different asset classes traded. But you know, we're we're in recent years now seeing a, a rise in private REITs and every REIT is kind of a little different. They've all got a different kind of um, strategy really at the end of the day. And um, I think one of the reasons that you know 
we're, we're on here talking about it and, you know, it seems to have gotten a lot of attention over the media is because of just how unique our model is and just to what extent that we've kind of turned the REIT model on its head in a, in a very unconventional way. Now, can you maybe break that down for us? Maybe what a traditional REIT model might look like and what Perpetual's model is and, and how it's so much more different than maybe if I'm going to buy shares in a publicly traded REIT? Absolutely. So I'll start off by saying Perpetual's, uh, what's the value proposition here at the end of the day? Perpetual is the very first nationwide pure play land development REIT. Which is to say that we are the first and only REIT that operates purely in land development and more specifically within Metro Vancouver and further, even more specifically within the markets of uh, Surrey and Langley, the two fastest growing municipalities in the region. This isn't to say that other REITs do not dabble in development. Most other REITs, they're, they're, like I mentioned before, they have a highly specified uh, strategy. So let's say, for instance, it's a uh, multifamily. So there's a plethora of REIT strategies of, you know, maybe purchasing uh, small low-rise buildings out in the States uh, in high growth markets. And, uh, you know, they purchase these properties at a, you know, hopefully a below market rate. They go through a value add process where maybe, you know, they're renovating suites along the way. They're able to increase rents and therefore increase cash flow to, to um, unit holders at the end of the day. They might refinance a little bit later and redistribute that capital as a nice uh, little bump in return for, for um, investors. And then, you know, as they grow and looking for ways to bump up the growth of their fund in terms of ROI, they might dabble into a specific development that is in line with their asset class strategy or their market uh, strategy. So where and, and REITs are generally looked upon favorably in the market because of, you know, this steady income that they're naturally provide investors who invest into these REITs. But Perpetual, being a land development REIT, it differs from that specific model, mainly because, you know, developments by definition are illiquid. You know, the, the investment needs to be placed in there for you know, on average, three to five years in order for cash flow to be realized. The very nature of developments is that you're putting a lot of money in for a defined number of years, and then you get this nice balloon payment at the end that, you know, just blows your ROI through through the water. So that's the kind of the way that, it, that the REIT has been structured. It's, it's meant to exclusively be available for land development projects. Furthermore, what Perpetual allows for is you know, naturally, many REITs are accessible, you know, to the general public. But land development opportunities have historically not been provided to the general public. And why is that? It's because investment developers are not investment managers at the end of the day. They are not looking to take on, you know, copious amounts of administrative uh, or transparency requirements in order to allow a lot of investors to participate in their developments. The traditional way of capitalizing a project is that you know you go back to your tried, tested, and true investors who are prepared to cut you a check for you know a few million, ten million at a time. So you you only go to a few, one, maybe two or three other capital partners to proceed on a project. So what what's the problem there is that over the years that this has naturally led to a squarely elitist investment vehicle, so the one that is not available to the general public. But, you know, I'd say the crusade of some sort that I think Perpetual is really trying to achieve here is have the general public for once be able to participate in the conversation that is land development and land value appreciation across Metro Vancouver. You know, I, I, I shudder to think at all the all the people that roll their eyes every time that we hear about a new story about you know, land values increasing, uh, property taxes increasing, so on and so forth across the market and and just kind of shrugging it off, thinking that it doesn't apply to them because they'll never be able to invest in, you know, own a home, let alone invest in a land development project. So for the first time in history, those people will have a readily available investment vehicle 
to invest. And I apologize because I know I'm probably going through the steady stream of consciousness here, but I think one of the reasons why it's so special in that regard is that being a REIT, it is RSP, RESP, and TFSA eligible. And we've made it low barrier as in the minimum investment is $5,000 as opposed to $150,000 or a million dollars. And that allows for people to already utilize what they've earmarked for long-term savings into a development project and have it generate the same kind of returns that have previously only been seen by the ultra high net worth investor. This sounds like what Matt has in his investment portfolio. <laughs> when you said ultra high net worth, I thought, <laughs> thought I thought Matt gets these opportunities. That's why my phone never rings. I, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now Corey can participate. <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, nope, It's five thousand. That's the minimum. I'm still, I'm still out. <laughs> Ravi, this is uh, no. I, you know what? When you say stream of consciousness, it, it definitely comes through that you're very excited about this. And I have a, a number of questions here. One is. Before we get to kind of the the details on how people can, how they go about investing in this, who came up with this? It sounds like there's kind of a goal to to open up these opportunities to the larger public, which I think is obviously laudable. But did you guys sit down and say, hey, listen, we see kind of an elite model here where most people we know or most people in the community aren't participating. Is that what was the driving force or... You know, can you just talk about the process of coming up with basically a new model towards REITs? I'll caveat what I'm about to say by thinking that when we started down this path, we did not think that we were inventing something totally new. As a matter of fact, we quite simply hoped that there was a template for us to to, to replicate because we were not looking to reinvent the wheel here. Right. We were just looking to do something that made sense for us. And let, let me take a step back here. What was the genesis of this from the beginning? I'll, I'll start with answer your question there. It kind of satisfies two questions for us. First and foremost, we could not help but observe the kind of returns that we were generating within our own real estate development projects and compare those to the type of returns that you know were being generated in the generic mutual fund trusts that RSPs and TFSAs were otherwise eligible for. And, you know... Being a, a management development company that likes to, quote unquote, put our money where our mouth is, we're always substantially invested in our own developments. And we know that because, you know, we have utmost confidence in the amount of, in A, the, the, the strategic locations of the properties that we've identified. But more importantly, we have utmost confidence in our ability to do the appropriate due diligence on that property, whether it was property level analysis of like the actual you know, the dirt is the geotechnical uh, checking out, is the environmental checking out and this and that. But also, where's the market at? Where's the financial analysis? What, what sensitivity analysis, like what, what kind of, what flexibility in these variables can we accommodate before this project doesn't make sense? And all these, all these boxes need to be checked off in order for these projects to make sense to us. So we have utmost confidence in our sourcing of real estate development projects, first and foremost. So naturally, we have utmost confidence in investing our own RSPs and TFSAs and, and whatnot into our own projects. So it started off there. Like, hey, guys, what kind of mechanism can we come up with here to invest these funds into our own projects? Because we'd much rather have it not only generate the kind of uh, returns that we've been able to generate with our discretionary investments, but also have that return amplified by the tax savings that's inherent in a TFSA or otherwise tax deferral in an RSP or ASP. So it started off there, and then, and then it came it came down to a point where okay, we now we now discovered okay, it's a it's a REIT structure that we have to we have to go down. So naturally, what what came next is that we are. And this is after we realized that there was no comparative product out there for us to, you know, basically use as a template for us to now tweak based on what our requirements would be. Right. We had realized by this point, okay, there's no such thing as a land development read, guys. We got to come up with this from the ground up. So eventually in the investment product design stage, the question came up about minimum investment. And so we thought to ourselves, it's about time that we democratize investment in real estate development. We got to take out this elitism and it's not it's not fair quite frankly that we're doing projects that that we we currently don't even have a mechanism for our own staff, our own family and friends who might not have the kind of capital required to to invest 
in our own projects. So let's make it a low barrier REIT for, at very least, our staff and our family and friends to participate in the type of wealth generation that we've been able to prove out in our history of our of our existence. But then, then it came, the more we started talking to people about what we were creating here, the more that we were hearing about, guys, there's a, there's a massive gap in the market for a product like this. One that gives a singular streamlined vehicle into the full portfolio of a bona fide development uh, firm and one that is backed by the resources and their pipeline and so on and so forth. And to generate the type of returns that only we all know that only land development can generate while also having the type of security that you have in the AAA quality real estate, which I would argue is just about any piece of dirt in uh, across Metro Vancouver. Like this is kind of ripe for tremendous growth. And so that's kind of when it came up with, uh, okay, maybe we maybe we're on to something here. And quite frankly, it's been. It's been five years in the making. It definitely took a village. We got the right people, strategic partners in place before we could make sense of it on that scale. We partnered with some very, very talented people in the tech space, perhaps most notably Paul Kevner and Anthony Pace Braga over there at Restack. We met them early days when they're still developing their platform, which is a fund administration platform precisely for you know, new funds who are looking to take off some of the administration burden and and the reporting requirements, and that connection was was imperative before we realized. Okay, now we're now we're definitely you know we're out of theoretical here, and we're getting into practical. Let's let's take a proper stab at this, and then eventually, like on the cusp of of launch, we thought, okay, look, if we're going to start treating ourselves as a bona fide investment management company, we got to be able to stand on our own two feet. So that was kind of where the separation from Isle of Man as like an entity specifically kind of came up. And we said, okay, let's let's brand ourselves with something that kind of makes sense with our initiative. And that's kind of how Perpetual Capital Partners was born. So I, I think somebody out there has probably bought a public read and they probably, as you mentioned, are, are thinking, okay, I love that this is, you know, diversified across geographically in, in a lot of cases, the in, income streams are coming in across asset types. There, there's that diversity where, you know, at least thinking of uh, the way that I uh, buy in the public markets, not a ton of analysis, you know, you're relying on a lot of other people's essential due diligence and, and, you know, Google and all the rest, uh, embarrassingly as that sounds in, in this case though, it's a private REIT. It's Surrey Langley. As I understand it, it's there, there's not the income, there's not the diversity. Can we talk about, I guess, two things. One is uh, the type of analytical requirements for the, for the average person or due diligence that they do. And then, and then secondly, the benefits of not having, you know, of it being a pure land play and not having that diversity. Yeah. The, the, and those are, those are very important questions. I'm glad you asked that. So I'll, I'll start off by at very least touching base on the extent that we do diversify. So Isle of Man Property Group over the 30 years that we've been around, you know, most brokers are always ask us, you know, Hey, what are you looking for? You know, what kind of projects are you looking for? What are you looking to be? And we tell all of them the same thing. Look, we're highly opportunistic in nature. We'll get into just about any type of project as long as the performa pencils out. And that that strategy, well, first of all, it, it's a prudent strategy in Metro Vancouver where, you know, prices are just escalating year after year after year at, uh, on an aggressive basis. But more importantly, it's given us expertise in a wide variety of asset classes. We're well-versed in tilt-up concrete construction, more specifically our many development, our many industrial developments out in Alberta. We have experience in retail development, self-storage, seniors' housing, hotels. So we have a breadth of experience in various types of asset classes. And so we will always be looking for different types of asset classes to diversify our project mix in. Now, you know, as far as diversifying across markets, you know, just about, I'll start by saying this, 
I think just about anybody in Canada, at least in Vancouver and Toronto, know that the Canadian real estate market is more or less a tale of two cities. This isn't anywhere in the States where you have robust, frothy, secondary and tertiary markets where there's lots of you know profit to be had if you make the right plays and high growth markets with good market fundamentals. Like, you know, we've got Vancouver, Metro Vancouver and GTA that year over year are, you know, let, let's 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 just look at the data. Historically, are there market fluctuations? Of course. But in what direction are those market fluctuations trending? Upward. So if you're a longstanding player in the Surrey and Langley market, which is the two highest growing markets in the Metro Vancouver region, why, why, why would we even want to explore uh, diversifying away from these from these core markets that are exceptionally well positioned from now a booming tech sector with a growing population that is a growing uh, labor force that is looking for accommodations that are allow them to maximize the beauty and the recreation of being in Metro Vancouver, but also, you know, within a reasonable commute time to city centers that allows them to to go to work. And, and, and obviously now with the work from home, the widespread acceptance of that, the suburban markets of Metro Vancouver have just, have just been that much more attractive. Mm-hmm. And really at the end of the day, it comes down to strategy, right? If, someone wanted a highly um, market diversified strategy and how they wanted to invest real estate, at least on a national basis, you know, I would be the first person to admit that Perpetual is not for that investor. But if this investor is a big believer in the quality of Metro Vancouver real estate and believes that we are supremely undersupplied in housing and, and virtually any form of of real estate, quite frankly, and that there's enough market fundamentals there to carry the land development industry for potentially decades to come, you know, like like we do, I would believe that that investor is hard pressed to find a more attractive, secured investment that's generating the type of returns that that Isle of Man has been able to demonstrate over our 30 years. And and when we're talking about returns, so there's not the steady income stream, but yeah. we were talking about kind of the balloon returns at the end. What what can people expect, and how does that how does that kind of work? I'm pretty embarrassed that it took me this long to actually get into that. that, that topic, <laughs> we almost end, we, we almost ended the conversation without asking you. <laughs> yeah. Apologies to you and to your listeners. Well, uh, you know we're targeting fifteen to twenty percent annualized return. And the way that structure is, is we offer an 8% preferred return to unit holders. And then there's a profit sharing, a quote unquote waterfall profit sharing structure that, you know, most uh, sophisticated players in real estate will be well versed in. It's, uh, you know, there's no financial wizardry going on on the on the management fee structure. It's just a very simple promote promoted interest management fee structure. And then from what we've been able to do in a in a couple of informational webinars over the last couple of weeks was we showcased a, a real Isle of Man property group project that just completed uh, in October of last year. And what we did was, you know, although Perpetual was not launched yet, we took these property level cash flows and we ran it through the quote unquote perpetual system, uh, the perpetual model, if you will. And we we wanted to see, we wanted to be able to prove out how did the investments flush out for an LP investor at the end of the day when we layer in the, this waterfall structure. And it, it pencils out at 18.45% return for that investor. And this project, I will caveat this, this project was not, you know, it did not catch this wave of sales and rapid price escalation that we saw over the last couple of years. Our last, although the last unit was delivered in October of last year, the last unit was sold in October of 2020. And just to give you some context to that, this project particular was 138 units, multi-phase townhome development out in Langley, more specifically the Yorkson neighborhood of Willoughby. And this development was, um, the last comp was back in October of 2020. That's when our last sale was. And so for anyone who's keeping close tabs on the market, you know that it was basically late October 2020 when the market <laughs> took off, right? 
So, uh, so our, our, on a per foot basis, our last comp was about $435 or $440 a foot. That same unit, that same unit today, and I say this because you can, you can look this up on MLS, it transacted at $1.2 million. We sold that unit for about 700 k in October of 2020. And it transacted last month or so at 1.2 million. So if imagine hypothetically, if one of our projects caught that wind, yeah. that percent turns into 20, 20 plus, so on and so forth, very quickly. And um, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure uh, if I touched on this, but it is incredibly important that from an investor's perspective, that Perpetual is only purchasing projects after the entitlement risk has been taken off the table. So at that point, so I'm talking about 18.45% after entitlement has, has already been achieved. There's been a new appraised value. And at that set value for the land, it's penciling out at 18.45%. So, you know, it's, it's very easy for me to speak passionately about this because I just believe it in so, believe in it so succinctly that, that you know, in a, in a lukewarm market that we're able to generate those types of returns that I'm very excited to see what we can do in a market that we are all we all, there's there's consensus across the globe across the country that we are in a bona fide housing crisis and finally we're getting the proper conversations at every necessary level of government to start alleviating that that supply uh, demand imbalance and the only way you're going to get to some kind of housing parity in the market is by is by getting the buy-in from the private sector, and as like we know from the private sector, we're only we're only going to do we're only going to do anything if it makes sense on the on the performa at the end of the day. And so, really, all we need to have happen is have the floodgates open at the municipal planning process, and then it's going to be really exciting to see the type of growth that we can generate with Perpetual, not only on an investor's basis, but you know, like you know, at the end of the day, we're developers. We love developing. We love building. And for us to be able to leave such a substantial socioeconomic impact through like the built environment and improving the infrastructure for communities, at least from that lens, it's going to be really exciting to see the kind of the kind of uh, growth we can produce in the Surrey and Langley markets. So, Ravi, there, if I if I just break this down for for the listeners there, how traditional LP models work and stuff like that. So when you're talking about these potential annual returns, these are kind of deferred returns that are paid out at the end of the project. And then the waterfall is sort of a split between the GP and the LP after they achieve certain benchmarks of profit, where a certain percentage goes to the GP, a certain percentage goes to the LP. And that's kind of how you get your sort of like deferred returns. Is that how if I understand Absolutely. correctly? Yeah, you nailed it. And uh, I, I wasn't sure how uh, how much into the weeds I should go because uh, nice thing about your guys' audience, I know it's generally a more sophisticated audience, so they might appreciate these details. But more often than not, when I start to get into that, I'm usually shushed by my PR team. So <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I just I read that about five minutes before we went on here. So I, I'm just going off the seat of my pants here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, 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 great job. You're faking it. You <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe as a as a as a final question, unless unless there's a, another route you want to want to go here, but I'm a guy with uh, ten thousand dollars in cash in my RSP right now, and I'm thinking, man, this sounds great. How do I get involved? A, can I get involved right now? How does that work? What what are the steps people take? For this project specifically in South Surrey, is that is there is there still opportunity there? Uh, can you just speak about like steps that actionable steps people can take? Absolutely, and and thank you for asking that question because it's a, it's an important one. So if if people want to get involved, all they have to do is go to perpetualreit.com. That's p r o perpetual.com, and simply go to just click the invest now button at the header of the site. That'll take an investor to our EMD partner, who is Front Funder. Uh, that's the name of that company. And what they do is that we've we specifically enlisted them and their proprietary technology and their platform to make it extremely, extremely easy for somebody to invest their funds. If somebody wanted to start up, uh, open a Front Funder account and make their investment 
in perpetual REIT, they can do so in the time span of about 15 minutes. If they're transferring, if they're making a new contribution, which is the deadline of which is March 1st. So I really hope everybody kind of keeps that deadline in mind. The process is incredibly easy. That simply taps into your bank account. You can debit it and uh, and you're off to the races and you're, you're officially a, a perpetual REIT unit holder. For those hoping to simply pick up the phone and call their wealth advisor and say, hey, buy me X number of shares of perpetual REIT. We're not yet able to do that simply because we're on the last leg of an administrative process in terms of getting on the various exchanges that wealth advisors are mandated to operate on in order to transact on private securities. So that is stay tuned. But you know, if you want to work through the subscription process on our website with your financial advisor, we strongly encourage you to do so. Front Funder is, is in place to really make sure that the investor is suitable for this specific type of investment. So rest assured that that's their sole agenda. They have no quote unquote skin in the game. They're just trying to make sure that you as an investor do not get carried away. And, and you know, as, as great of a story as I think this is for every investor, it may not work for everyone. So please go to Front Funder, that campaign page via our website. And uh, the process is fairly straightforward from there. And is it just to, so everybody understands, there, there's, you know, say the project that you have in South Surrey, residential retail development, people that are interested in in getting involved in this private REIT, are they investing in that specific project or is it is it a more general kind of buy shares in the REIT and there's a certain timeline in which you have to hold them? Can you just speak to kind of that kind of component of it? Absolutely. So every every development that's in the Isle of Man pipeline, which is uh, about 23 or 24, pro- actually, no, it's 25 projects now that's in our pipeline of, of various, various asset classes, various project formats, or mixed-use buildings, master plan, so on and so forth. This South Surrey site is, of course, part of that pipeline. And as these properties achieve the third reading stage, they will be made available for sale to perpetual REIT. So right now, that's kind of the beauty of our situation is that because we're backed by by Isle of Man Property Group, we already maintain control of these properties. So even if we were to only raise uh, a fraction of, of what our target is, we can always purchase of a partial interest into any one of our of our projects that would form part of the perpetual portfolio. But I just want to emphasize here that we're treating real estate development investment much more differently than what people are used to seeing. They're not necessarily going to be what we're not we're not trading off of the attractiveness of a specific property. We are trading off of the experience and proven track record of success by Isle of Man Property Group. Right. And the, the targeted returns that we're looking to achieve is uh, that target is the same as whether it's a small 20 unit townhome site or whether it's a 10 acre infilled mixed use master plan site like the one that's showcased on our website. Right. So that's the target return across the board. Each project and an investment in perpetual REIT gives you unfettered access to our entire portfolio for as long as you have an interest. In, uh, for as long as you have a capital investment in perpetual REIT, you will always have your proportionate share to that portfolio as it comes available for sale to perpetual REIT. So that's kind of another way that you know we're trying to we're we're turning development investment on its head considerably compared to what people are used to seeing out there. Ravi, to to end the show off here, we have our, our six pack of lighthearted questions to ask you so we get to know you a little bit better outside of the work. I know we've taken up quite a bit of your time so far, but do you have just a little bit more time for us? Absolutely. Um, you're going to be sorely disappointed at just how boring I am. So I, I, I <laughs> The six pack is brought to you empowered by our good friends over at Redpoint Law. For all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca. All right, Ravi, first question up. Favorite movie? Ooh, um, Ocean's Eleven. You're not so boring at all. It's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great flick, man. Just smartly written, greatly acted, great chemistry with the cast, and, uh, you know, just a, and, and, you know, just star-studded, star-studded cast across the board. So it was, it, it, I always come back to that one. Lots of great movies out there, but if I'm, if I'm looking to just throw something on, that's the one. 
Right on. One book, Ravi, you'd recommend? The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. It's a great story about how it's not a, like I mean it's a, it's a it's fiction, but it's a there's a great moral of the story there. It's about how uh, a highly successful although highly unhappy lawyer basically sheds the uh, materiality and sheds his ego and and goes off to become a monk and 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 has selling his Ferrari and and is a great for anyone who's beginning a spiritual journey that's a great easy to read digestible highly relevant uh, analogy to to modern day life and and how to how to make certain adjustments along the way to to keep your sanity amidst uh, amidst all the craziness in the world these days i've heard good things about that you're not the first person to sort of recommend that book and i've talked to other people who've read it and they said the same thing favorite vacation spot when you find the time las vegas Ah, <laughs> yeah. There's the Ocean's you're, Eleven. Now uh, it's all well, tied. I was also going to say, also the you're a man of contrast. <laughs> <laughs> Sell the bling, go to the go to and go to Vegas. Hear me out. Though. Okay, me okay. Out I, I know. I I I I apologize. I'm probably taking up much more time than than needed, but I just have to caveat this. Sure. It's not for maybe the reasons you might suspect. My parents, believe it or not, um, it, you know, immigrants from India, but um avid, avid poker players my entire life. So we grew up going to doing road trips to Vegas multiple times a year. Uh, and so that they could do poker and, you know, me and my brother, we'd, we'd be at the arcade or something like that. So it is actually a, a great source of nostalgia for me, that, that city. So not, not quite, although I did find other things to enjoy about that city as I grew older, but that's a, that's a conversation. over. <laughs> I, I, I assumed you guys were going there for architecting architectural inspiration is what I assumed. I thought nothing else otherwise. <laughs> that, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Of course. Thank you for landing on that. <laughs> right on. Favorite. Bar or restaurant? Oh, this is the easy one. Chiopinos. All right. Good answer. Favorite band or musician? Or song. Or song. Anything you want. Oh. um, Can I give you two? Yeah, by all means. Since we're talking about a man of contrast. um, (laughs) uh, Drake, which is pretty easy. Good Canadian guy. And uh, Nora Jones. Oh. Oh, that's, That's both ends of the spectrum. You're the yeah, you're the yeah. yin and the yang. You, you know what it is. You know what it is. It, it's it's Drake <laughs> when you're having the cocktails in the Cosmo Hotel there in Vegas before you go out, and it's Nora Jones when you wake up and you got the headache and you're walking <laughs> to the pool with the sunglasses on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you just saying that. I was about to break into a Drake verse that transits into a Nora Jones. <laughs> I'll spare everybody with that, but that's you. You more or less nailed it. <laughs> All right, last question for you, Ravi, and we we of course really appreciate your time. One piece of advice you'd give listeners interested in commercial or residential real estate? Never stop learning. You know, and I'm sure that this is applicable to virtually any industry, but the moment you think you've got it figured out or you, you know, you know everything, you know, you think you're hot stuff or whatever, that's the moment that, you know, you're going to start seeing some some rapid deterioration in the quality of your career, but also not only in terms of actual, like, you know, climbing the ladder, the proverbial ladder, if you will, but more specifically in terms of what the type of quality of growth you could actually achieve as like, I am constantly like, I mean, you know, this paranoia that I do not know enough, I have not seen enough, and I I need more experience here. I need more technical skills there, and and that that mentality, as anxiety provoking as it can be sometimes, has led to just a tremendous amount of growth in a very short period of time. And you know, just just always be the student, always be learning, and uh, you know, and, and got speed out there because it's a it's a very competitive industry in Vancouver and Toronto and. Um, you know, to 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 make your mark. If you know, it's it's a great achievement just to get your foot in the door, and uh, to to and, and and like I said, I'm I'm humbled to be even be on your on your guys' podcast today because, like I said, I'm a longtime listener, and I'm 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 very happy to be here. But you know, more importantly than not, it screams to me that I must be doing something right out there <laughs> to be able to, guys. So I I really do appreciate it, gentlemen. Hey, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Ravi. And uh, I think we usually say, how can people find out more? But uh, we already we already uh, got that. So thanks for your time. And that was a, 
It was a great chat. And uh, yeah, now I'm going to I'm gonna go check this out before March 1st. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Ravi. We really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Ravi Man, a man that wears many hats. And likes many movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really, really interesting conversation there because a lot of people, like we said at the start of the show, don't understand how they potentially may get involved or almost get shut out of the investment side of the development world. And Ravi, through his family and through their perpetual capital partners, have created an opportunity for people with very, very low levels of entry point from an investment standpoint compared to what you typically would see from an LP level can now get involved in that financing part and partake in the investment opportunity. Absolutely. You know, I left thinking two things. One, this seems very, very exciting. And I think yeah. everybody listening is probably in agreement there. This is a very exciting opportunity. And second, man, what would it be like growing up in Ravi's house, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's a podcast. We got to have him back on. That's a follow-up. It, that's a follow-up It's there. growing a massive development company, a very yeah. successful and well-regarded development company after having parents who immigrated from India. So it's new Canadians building this company out of nothing and on their off time, driving to Vegas to play <laughs> poker. I mean, that sounds like a hell of a childhood. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have enough risk at home being the development game in BC, <laughs> yeah, no, for fun part. let's go to Vegas and risk it again. No. And for all of them that, that recognize the, the man last name, a very prominent developer in the Fraser Valley market, especially, and they've done a lot of great developments. So I think this is also with, from an investment standpoint, is you're not sort of necessarily investing in a brand new company that's looking to take off. This has got a 30-year track record of success. And what he points out is two of the fastest growing markets in the lower mainland. Yeah, I actually liked his answer at the end where he basically said, look, this is, you're betting on, on the brand. Right, you're betting on the brand, and and we're opportunistic. We make no uh, qualms about it. That that's our business, and we do it well. So there you go. But before we cut for the day, Corey, how can people find out what you're doing over at William Wright? People can always send me an email anytime at Corey at WilliamWright.ca. They're welcome to call Top our floor corner office. <laughs> They're welcome to call our Vancouver office anytime six zero four four two eight five two five five. Let us know what your commercial needs are, and we'll put you in touch with the best advisor we have in your marketplace within the province. Or they're always welcome to visit us at williamwright.ca. You can sign up for the latest and greatest news, and we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on. Fantastic. And uh, of course, the transcripts, the summaries of these episodes live over at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. That is where all things real estate related live. We have the live wire and an assortment of other great research tools, head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and we'll be back next week, of course. And I uh, hope everyone enjoys the week. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today. 